But it's impossible. So long ago, we'd have been saying that about a lot of things. Thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is normally a podcast in which a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. But instead, today we will be looking back on our time with the second Doctor in our special episode we call The Doctor Is Out. Indeed. I am... I mean, listen, I love Patrick Troughton, but I have also been very much looking forward to this specific Doctor is out because I just get to <laughs> talk about him. Um, but before we before we start, I just want to check in with you, Caleb. What are you what are you, what are your thoughts in series so far? Do you do you want to do you want to kill me for roping you into this podcast yet? <laughs> um, I want to kill you less than the first Doctor. I think. Well, that's that's progress. I'll take I, it. I would say like there are definite moments where I was like, yeah, wow, that was really cool. Uh, or like, yeah, that was interesting. But also, if uh, if for whatever reason this podcast didn't continue going, I wouldn't be like, you know, I think I'm gonna finish old Doctor Who. <laughs> I need to find a new co-host. <laughs> let let it let it be said officially here that if I were to uh, die in a horrific cheese grater accident, I give you permission. Nay, I encourage you to find a new co-host to continue this podcast with. I don't think anyone could put up with me saying or doing the things I do just to actively make them mad. <laughs> Very true. I've, I like to think I've grown a bit of a resistance to it over the years. <laughs> uh, that white noise. Oh, that's just Caleb. I, I don't know what he's saying anymore. <laughs> you start to parse through and you realize the important bits as you go on. But for most of the part, you just kind of put most of this into the side. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's 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 get into it. Um, what are our opinions of the Good Doctor? This specific Good Doctor. I enjoy him more than the first Doctor. I think as a whole, it, I, again, it was jarring because he's very different. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was looking up the episode list, so I could remember what fucking happened during this Doctor's era, uh, mm -hmm. the wiki referred to him as a cosmic hobo. Yes, and I think that that's accurate. <laughs> 
yeah that that was the like the thesis for this specific character was cosmic hobo especially especially when it, in regards to uh his costume mm-hmm. yeah i do not make it uh a secret patrick trouton is my favorite doctor there are one or two that might come close but he is king as far as i'm concerned <laughs> that might change by the end of this podcast i'm allowing myself to keep an open mind about that but i do i do love him probably the thing i love the most about the second doctor is that with every other doctor it's like they're they're very brave in the face of the dangers that they face the second doctor almost seems just as scared <laughs> by the monsters <laughs> as everybody else but he fights them anyway and to me courage is a lot more admirable of a trait than bravery and also he's funny which is a plus yes i think what i like it about this book, doctor why i didn't really feel actually existed in the hartnell era was i felt like the show was supposed to have a certain amount of whimsy to it and i think the second doctor and Trotton really brought that mm, i would agree it's funny there was an interview with david Tennant, and uh he says that the first doctor is always is obviously very is very different he's definitely a black sheep and then every doctor since patrick Troughton has just been doing their best Patrick Troughton impression. <laughs> <laughs> I am very sad to see him go, but uh, I'm also, I'm very much looking forward to the rest of rest of the series. This is always a tough one because we have so much more to work with than any other given companion does. But uh, what would you say your favorite Doctor moment is? My favorite Doctor moment? Well, before I officially say that, let me also say that I think a lot of what makes up the Troughton era is Jamie. <laughs> And the Doctor's yes. relationship to Jamie. Yes. If they had rotated companion, both companions as frequently as they did in the Hartnell era, not that I wouldn't have liked it, but I feel like it would have been very different. Yeah, Jamie is such a um, a unique beast, both on screen, uh, a unique beastie, if you will. Yeah, I was going to correct you. <laughs> both on screen and off, because there's been so few companions who have, like, had such great chemistry with their doctor that even the higher ups at the BBC were like, no, let's keep him around. <laughs> I think it was around the Crotons. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I might be, I might be off by an episode or two, but I'm pretty sure it was in the Crotons where, uh, Fraser Hines was like, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I think I'm ready to leave. But Patrick Troughton was planning on leaving at the end of the season. And he was just like, Let's just leave together. Fraser Hines like, okay. So he decided to stick around for a little bit longer so that he could leave <laughs> at the same time Trout does. Well, they did go out with kind of a bang. I like the fact that like the Trout era actually kind of ends and doesn't just stop. Yeah, yeah. It had a very good conclusion. Uh, my favorite Doctor moment, though. It's tough because he has a lot of good moments because I'm like... Can I just say that it's an even tie between all of his interactions with Jamie? Because that's what it feels like. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think this might just this might be the fact that like it uh it was kind of the, my first interactions with Trenton and or the second Doctor, and it was just so jarring compared to Hartnell. But I actually think one of my favorite moments is in the Power of the Daleks. Okay. When they're in the cell and um. Polly's missing and Ben is like we gotta find Polly and the doctor's just playing his recorder and like seems to be musing nonsensically mm -hmm. I like that moment because I think it really sums up the whole 
Second Doctor's approach to everything. Yeah, very true. Very true. Similarly, I think I have a moment that I believe does a good job of summarizing the Second Doctor's approach to everything. Uh, in the Tomb of the Cybermen, when they're down in the tomb and Klieg is like going on his villainous rant about how he's going to use the Cybermen to take over the universe or whatever shit. And the doctor is just like, my God, you're right. The mind reels with the possibilities. Klieg, the destroyer, Klieg, the conqueror. And just like feeding into his ego. And Klieg is just like, yes, yes. And the doctor's like, okay, good. I, I thought you were crazy. I'm glad I just confirmed it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I cannot emphasize how much like that's kind of my more of my second place choice. And my first place choice is just any scene he shares with Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's hard because I feel like there's a lot of great like zingers, mm -hmm. particularly from uh, the second doctor in this era. But when I was going through and doing my rankings, a lot of these episodes, a lot of this era is bogged down by just middling to mediocre episodes. It's, yeah, it's weird. It really, it definitely starts strong. Because I know we comment multiple times. It's like, wow, the second Doctor can't miss. But like, somewhere around the midpoint, or like, end of the first third, probably. Post Enemy of the World. Yeah, that's when we start to get... Okay, this is this one's not great. Okay, this one's not wonderful either. Oh, this one this one was pretty good, I guess. Yeah, it was it wasn't bad. Okay, this one this one sucked. This one was <laughs> awful. <laughs> that, yeah, it definitely started a lot stronger than it than it ended. No, and I one hundred percent agree. Now, much like last time, I kind of feel like we're already we kind of already know the answer to this question. So, favorite companion? I mean, it's Jamie. It's Jamie, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, but like, let's let's really give an honorable mention to Ben for being the voice of reason for the handful of episodes he was there. <laughs> I was gonna ask you since there's not really a lot to explore in our favorite companion because it's Jamie. What the fuck else do you want us to say? We've already said it. Who is your second favorite companion? Is your second favorite companion Ben? I'm gonna say Ben. Yes, just okay. because so consistently. <laughs> He is like, I want to go home. I'm like, whatever we're doing, I don't care. It's time to leave. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew how much you were going to latch on to Ben. <laughs> Which is kind of appropriate because my second favorite companion is Polly. I love Polly. She's, <laughs> she's, she's great. She's, she's a shining sunflower and she brightens every room she's in. <laughs> yep, yep. I do also love Polly, even though they very much sidelined her in later episodes. But, like, she's definitely the foil to Ben, because Ben's like, I want to go home. And Polly's like, well, I want to explore. Yeah. Polly's my favorite asterisk. Polly's my favorite when she's written well. <laughs> when, yeah. when the writers know what to do with her. <laughs> it's an important distinction. She's not my favorite, but I will say that I came around to Victoria yes. as time went on. Yeah. All the way up to... Just having mad respect for her with a, you know, you remember that time everyone almost got brainwashed and murdered by seaweed? I think I'm done after that. <laughs> I'm not sure I can top that. I think I'm out. <laughs> I guess that does answer the next question of who your least favorite companion is. Zoe. Zoe. Yeah. 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 She just struggled because she didn't really have anything. I mean, she had her brains and that was it. And it's really weird because 
if you go online and watch people like talk about Zoe, they'll talk about how much she was like she like kicked she kicked butt and she was like she was like a a fighter. And I'm like, she fought one guy and it was mm-hmm. a fictional character. And the fact that she won that fight was more of a joke than anything else because he was mm-hmm. such a big, strong man. I, I didn't actually start coming around to her until the war games. Every point after uh, up to that point, I found her a bit annoying. She was a know-it-all. And I could just I could just tell I could just tell that she and I would not get along well in real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh well the, like the problem the problem really came down to like the writers just did they like this is a problem with all the companions i think the writers don't really do anything that leans into what they might be good at mm-hmm. so like zoe is supposed to be really intelligent but there's only one instance i can think of in her five or six or eight episodes that she was around uh that actually like required her to use her intellect to do anything well there were there was the time of the crotons where she you know poked her nose where it didn't belong and took the test i guess and then there's in the invasion when she blows up the missiles that part was cool i like that That part was cool yeah yeah and boy howdy i think that's it actually i don't even think wheel in space utilized her being intelligent everyone was just like hey this girl's like really weird and really smart yeah wheel in space was definitely more of a seeing her being a beep boop kind of kind of person and then that being her uh impetus to join the TARDIS because she didn't want to be such a beep boop kind of person. And she didn't. She grew to be an annoying little shit. Well done. Well done, Zoe. Yes, that's growth. Well done. <laughs> Favorite villain? Hmm. Let me scroll through the episodes real quick. Because I have my favorite and then I have a couple of honorable mentions. My favorite... and I I really tried my best not to make this, this Doctor is Out the let's talk more about enemy of the world show but i do really fucking like salamander okay because salamander is great because salamander is great from like just from the outside looking in he seems like a good guy like there's a reason why the doctor was so hesitant to like join in the assassination plot uh but then once you get underneath that surface you realize how much of like a conniving political mastermind he is and then when you dig even further under the surface you see that he has an entire den of slaves under there who practically worship him and activate natural disasters to kill his enemies like (laughs) (laughs) the dude has layers and all of them are great (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's a struggle. It's hard not to make this the enemy of the world show because the enemy of the world is the top. I mean, uh, it's the goat. Yeah. My honorable mentions are Varga from the Ice Warriors, who is one of the most sympathetic villains I think we saw. And he loses points because because of the goddamn hissing. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, that is a big part. <laughs> and another honorable mention goes to the Dalek Emperor, who I'm pretty sure only stands out in my mind because he just looked really cool. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And I mean, like, they, there was a cool Dalek shootout. Yeah. At the end of it. That was sweet. That was probably one of the, hi- one of the highlights of the series. I would say, I mean, yeah, number one is obviously Salamander. Mm-hmm. This one's more vague, but, like, my favorite, like, villain alien race I really like the faceless ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the chameleons are... Yeah, the chameleons, wherever they were. 
Yeah, I don't know. I like body snatching stuff. Uh, the faceless ones, besides the fact that they did Ben and Polly wrong, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I really like that episode a it was, lot. It was a good one. It was a good episode. But also, the seaweed was kind of cool. <laughs> I'm going to call it an honorable mention. So. Yeah, yeah. Least favorite villain. Oh, boy, howdy. I've got, I think, I think the Yetis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Yetis I'm, at large. I'm with you. The The Yetis... The Yetis are definitely my least favorite. They're just furry grimace. There's, it really feels like you could just knock them over. You, I want to give them a hug. There's, there's nothing intimidating about them. Mm-hmm. Great intelligence is fine. I just, I just don't know why he uses the Yetis as a foot soldier. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst. This one might just be because I saw them a lot, but the more I saw them, the more I hated the Cybermen. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Like, I know that the Cybermen can be good, and I know that they will get good, but man, they were they were not handled well at all. <laughs> at all. Let, uh, let's give credit where credit is due. The invasion was cool. I liked the invasion um, quite a bit. I also liked Tomb of the Cybermen, but man, there was something about the wheel in space and the moon, the base, moon base that, that just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're just very overused. I feel like three is the max for any given recurring villain. Once you go past that in a specific doctor, it's just like, we get it. And the fact that Cybermen were used four times over the course of the 21 second doctor episodes, it just feels kind of excessive. Yeah, it's also something I realized like when I was going to, do, <laughs> to rank these, I forgot. I was like, oh, Jesus, like there actually aren't that many stories. Yeah. There's just a lot of episodes. Yeah. My honorable mentions for the least favorite uh, go to the Dominators and the Crotons. Because they weren't very good and they were dumb looking. <laughs> yeah. The Dominators with their stupid turtle neck vest. I have no idea what the fuck was going on with that costume. <laughs> and I, the first two episodes of the Crotons were so good. It's like, as soon as you saw them, you were like, what the fuck? Yeah. The Crotons themselves, oddly enough, kind of ruined the Crotons. Favorite NPC. So, favorite favorite one-off character that was in a story. Oh, God. My favorite probably goes to Private Evans in The Web of Fear. I liked how he was the fun kind of coward. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I liked um, how he was really good at coming up with legit reasons why he shouldn't be doing any work. And his kind of antagonistic relationship with the with, I mean, the colonel at the time, but later the brigadier is was kind of hilarious. Honorable mentions goes to Sam from the Faceless Ones, who was just like this close to being like that story was clearly written to introduce her as a companion, and then she just didn't join the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Sam was great. I think my favorite is I'm totally spacing his name right now, but um. The big strongman guy uh, from Evil of the Daleks. What is his name? Oh, you... shit. Um, Kemmel. Yeah, Kemmel. Kemmel was great. Kemmel was great. His intro, not so much, because it was very cringe and very racially coded. But once you actually saw Kemmel, I was like, okay, Kemmel's great. Once he became, like, gym bros with Jamie, that's that, that's when he, that's when he <laughs> peaked. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, after they're doing their fight, he saves them from fly out the window and they straight up do their little like grabbing their hands and flexing brother (laughs) (laughs) yeah this this was a category that was suggested to you 
suggested by you last time that um, I know you just wanted to talk about the Dalek Master Plan again, but I actually do have an entry for this one. Best Death. Ooh. Okay, tell me yours. The Dalek Massacre at the end of Power of the Daleks. I mean, how is it not going to be that, though? <laughs> I was... Oh, God. I mean, God, that was so fucking cool. We only see part of the massacre, but that that's what makes it even better. Because, like, you see them start, and then you just, like, watch the camera just stays on Ben and Polly, just sitting in the lab under a desk, listening to all the screams, and listening to all the screams slowly die down until it's just silence outside. It's just... It was, and then just the tracking shot along all the dead bodies in the hallway. Close fucking second honorable mention goes to uh, Salamander falling in the time vortex. <laughs> I I think that's gonna be my favorite because I I almost said the Warlord game like non existed at the good. end of the War Games, but oh my god, Salamander falling out of the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, and it's just ending on that note. Incredible. Yeah, that was very good. And again, I think this might be the hardest one. Favorite moment, period. Favorite moment, period. Ironically or not ironically? Either. Hmm. My favorite, and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, this is definitely it, uh, was the Doctor's trial in the War Games. Hmm. I just like seeing him just putting his cards on the table and just displaying for everyone to see like his philosophy about life and his travels to just have more of an understanding of like why he does what he does, why he fights the monsters and him juxtaposed with the triumvirate who's judging him really shows you how much of how much of an outlier, how much of a rebel he is amongst his own people. I think it's just, it's a rare moment in which we get to see the doctor's core. And I, I think it's, I think it's very cool. My honorable mentions go to, uh, his discussions about grief with Victoria in the tomb of Cybermen. Oh yeah. 20 minutes after her dad died. Yeah. 20 minutes after her dad died, which I know in that context <laughs> takes away some of the uh, weight, but like the scene itself is very good. Just pretend that tomb of the Cybermen is like a year after <laughs> evil. Of the Daleks. Look, there's a reason why it's in my honorable mentions and not my actual pick. And then hi folks. Welcome to the enemy of the world show. The Doctor versus Salamander. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> okay, on that note, I take it back. My favorite NPC is the fucking cook from Enemy of the World. Oh, man. Oh, I <laughs> forgot about him. Oh, man, you're right. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, no, he's incredible. He's my favorite. I have two favorite moments. Okay. One, because like it's so funny. It's seared in my brain. And then the other, because it's an actually good moment. Okay. The caveat being Enemy of the World could be this whole bit. <laughs> I'll start with a funny one. Part that really has like seared itself into my brain is when the Makra, in the Makra Terror, when the Makra have like the guy show up on screen to be like, everything's fine. I am the officiator. Mm -hmm. And he like looks off screen and be really panicked. He's like, there's no such thing as the Makra. And then like crab claws go on screen, <laughs> say it louder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. 10 out of 10. No notes. <laughs> um, and then more seriously, um, really the last 10 minutes of Fury of the Deep. So like, after they've defeated the seaweed monster and Victoria decides that she doesn't want to go back on the TARDIS 
Jamie's whole bit trying to convince her to do it anyway, and then like the goodbye scene, and then the doctor trying to talk to Jamie about it, um, and him being like, I'm fine, let's just leave. I feel like there's so much about that scene that, that actually has subtext, mm-hmm. and so much of what's enjoyable about that scene is in what's not said. Yeah. Subtext is not really a uh, is not really a tool that's used very often <laughs> in uh, in this era of Doctor Who. So it is good. It is nice to see. Um, and I think Victoria's exit is probably my favorite companion exit at large. Really, just like in general, all from all companions. Yeah, I think in general, mm-hmm. it's my favorite. Well, okay. So next, we have let's face it, what people are actually here to to listen to the comparisons of your predictions. Oh yeah, this is the real deal. <laughs> <clears throat> the power of the Daleks. Oh. After the doctor has done his regeneration thing, a strange side effect of regeneration for a very short period of time after he's regenerated, he can re he, after he's regenerated, he can absorb power into himself and it gives him the powers and abilities of anyone he touches. And it's basically Highlander, but he fights Daleks. <laughs> I mean, it had the word power in it. The word power was used. You, God damn it, Caleb, you're right. 100%. <laughs> That's at least half right. Not, no. <laughs> Fuck you. We're not doing that. That is that is nowhere near 50%. And then I, re- I uh, revealed to you that you basically shot yourself in the foot because the next episode is The Highlanders. <laughs> <laughs> the plot to Highlander 2, actually. I don't know. They go in time and they're like, oh my god, there's no sci-fi bullshit. And then it's the movie Braveheart. (laughs) Can you tell I'm quoting you exactly? (laughs) But that wasn't wrong. Again, I have never seen the movie Braveheart, so I don't know. But, like, I have no idea how accurate it is. (laughs) It's not. William Wallace isn't in that episode at all. But, I mean, the British are... (laughs) My god, you're right. There are British people in this episode of Doctor Who. Imagine that. I'm calling it 65%. Sure, why not? (laughs) The only reason I'm giving you that is because I have not seen Braveheart, so, like, I can't tell you you're wrong. (laughs) The Underwater Menace. This episode is inspired by the book 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, wherein the Doctor has to convert the TARDIS into an underwater submarine vessel and fight a giant squid monster. They're underwater. (laughs) Yes, they are underwater in the underwater menace. Caleb, good job. <laughs> the moon base. The moon? The doctor accidentally lands in the wrong time, and he accidentally blows up the thing with Neil Armstrong in it. Uh, he accidentally kills Neil Armstrong and the other guy, and the Soviets beat us to the moon. Which, again, is just doubly hilarious, because the moon landing hadn't happened yet. <laughs> at the time of filming this because that happens in 1969 and this episode came out in 1967 yeah tomato tomato but also that episode would have been infinitely better than the episode we got so that goes without saying makra terror this one's actually not bad Whenever I hear the word Makra, I think of the Macarena, so I'm going to say this is a group of lizard people who are also very musically inclined, and their music is so good it's hypnotic, and they force the travelers to do the Macarena to the death. That is not totally inaccurate. <laughs> Minus the lizard people. 
wasn't lizard people, it was crab people, but they did use hypnotic powers, and they did manage to control at least one member of the crew, and there was a very bizarre dance number <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> oh my god, the fucking Makwatera music was so obnoxious. <laughs> okay. The Faceless Ones. You really like just comparing episodes to the first pop culture thing that pops into your head when you think of the title. Anyway, <laughs> it's like the movie Face Off. <laughs> and then you then proceed to not do the plot to Face Off. This society cuts off their faces, but then realize that they had no faces to replace them with. And then suddenly four people with faces come along and they're like, hey, let's get in on some of that. That's pretty close, though. <laughs> it's not, though. <laughs> They do accidentally cut their faces off, but replace four people with four billion people. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the evil of the Daleks. This is Dude Where's My TARDIS. After Jamie and the Doctor go on an extreme bender, and by extreme bender I mean being kidnapped by faceless aliens, they realize the TARDIS is gone and has been stolen by Daleks who are using it for a joyride and they have to get it back. Up until the joyride part, that was pretty accurate. That was pretty accurate because that was just the end of the faceless ones. <laughs> I'm giving myself 80%. Sure. Okay, this one's a little bit longer. The Tomb of the Cybermen. The TARDIS will appear in Egypt in the year 2487. A new tomb has been discovered that's never been found in Egypt before, and the Doctor is going to say, This sculpture of this pharaoh looks like a robot, vaguely like a Cyberman. And the lead excavator uh, will say, Well, that's impossible. The Cybermen were blown away hundreds of years ago. And they'll open up one of the sarcophagi, and there will be a robot wrapped like a mummy, but no one will question why it's a robot and not a mummy. And then as more excavationers disappear, the Cybermen will be revealed and the lead will have a Lovecraftian mind break moment and then get turned into a Cyberman and the doctor will just patch up the hole and call it a day. Honestly, <laughs> not bad. <laughs> yeah, actually not bad. I think the most inaccurate part of that is the fact that it takes place on Earth. Yeah. I don't think anybody had like a Lovecraftian mind break moment. But other than that, not too bad. Juxtaposing the long uh, summary, here's the Abominable Snowman. It's everything I thought Marco Polo was going to be about. Done and done. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure was just, remember Uncharted 2? It's Uncharted 2. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very, uh, I have very original, unique thoughts. Indeed. The Ice Warriors. After wanting to go somewhere warm, the Doctor goes in the opposite direction and lands on the formerly planet Pluto, where they meet very cold people. And they're like, man, we're so cold, and you're warm-blooded, and we're pissed about it. So they have to fight for their lives on their way back to the TARDIS. And it will be the most violent episode of Classic Who. <laughs> Not quite, but... Not quite. There were, there were cold people who were mad at them. Damn, you're right. <laughs> okay, I do like this one. <laughs> the Enemy of the World. The Doctor and his companions find themselves in 1939 Germany, where the Doctor realizes, I can stop the Holocaust, so they go back in time and beat up Hitler. This is also the episode where Jamie leaves. 
I mean, you were off by a couple, but you know. I mean, you know, um, I mean, Salamander is Hitler-like. He he is he is very cult of personality. So I'll give you that. The Web of Fear. This is the Web Planet 2.0. They're gonna meet the Animus's big brother since since the door is open on the TARDIS. That's going to make everything go wiggity wiggity whack yo. And they're going to end up in some kind of web, believe it or not. There's a sort of doorway between time and space where they they can go here and end up somewhere and go there and end up somewhere else. And they're in between time and space. And the Zarbi are going to make a comeback. That prediction would have been fine in like two episodes. <laughs> yeah, not quite. We didn't really meet the Animus's big brother, but we did meet like Great Intelligence again. He's kind of a similar boat of the animus i think yeah it would be cool if these like lovecraftian big brain monsters had like some sort of lore to them or like that kind of like relate back to each other at least in the in the show that would be nice because i know that there's some expanded universe crap that does mention them but it's never shown on screen so (laughs) sorry nerds i'm not reading your books or your fanfics right Theory from the Deep. The Doctor seems like he's unable to escape Earth, so I'm going to say he ends up in the future where they have to fight the mythical Leviathan from the Bible. Uh, They're fighting sea monsters. It's sense and sensibility and sea monsters. I mean, they don't fight the biblical Leviathan, but there is that one part where he, like, points to the seaweed monster in a book, and it's very Kraken-esque, so, like, Mm -hmm. there's something there. Kinda. Also, I'm sorry if there's... I'll probably be cutting it out and editing, but I am sorry if anything gets through of just, like, noisy neighbors because we are recording this on the night of the Super Bowl. We're recording a Doctor Who podcast on the night of the Super Bowl because why should I be inconsistent now? Um, so all of my neighbors are all reacting every time there's a touchdown. <laughs> so... Well, that sounds delightful. My neighbors are surprisingly quiet right now, so... The wheel in space. I feel like there's going to be a big wheel in space. Last time you said this episode makes you a liar, so I'm going to say that I think you're lying about the Daleks being gone for a long time. So the Daleks are building a super space car, and the last component they're getting is the big wheel in space. They just need the ignition to start their car, and wouldn't you know it, the TARDIS is that ignition. I mean, the Cybermen were stuck in space. No, I think this. I think this one doesn't <laughs> doesn't quite work. <laughs> the Dominators. I think Zoe is going to watch everything from the Doctor's past adventures and say, "No thanks, I've changed my mind." Uh, but it's going to be too late because they're going to be ambushed by BDSM space pirates. Have you read Warhammer? That's a thing. And they're the dominators, and they're going to dominate them. And it's going to have something to do with the great intelligence. I mean, they were going to dominate them. (laughs) I mean, yes, the dominators were going to dominate them, Caleb. (laughs) Just not in the sexy way. Just not in the sexy way. Although, maybe also in the sexy way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it's not the sexy way. I'm just saying that's not... The primary. I'm just saying the novelizations usually go into more detail than the episodes do. So, like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there was a cut scene. 
The Mind Robber. It's kind of like the opposite of Inception. In Inception, they go into your dreams and give you an idea, but in this one, they go into your dreams and take stuff away. And they are sexy robots. They're going to go into the companion's dreams and steal shit, and Jamie is going to forget what a beastie is. <laughs> Jamie could never forget what a beastie is. It would have been cool. <laughs> The invasion. We're going to deal with the fucking yetis again. And they're invading. And we're going to meet <laughs> Captain Bernard Crenshaw Phillips. And they're going to need... <laughs> they've got new spray foam. I like the idea that of you having a running joke. That's like the internet's running joke with Benedict Cumberbatch. Where people are just like constantly <laughs> misspelling name. But for you, it's the Brigadier. You just come up with wildly different names every time you have to say his name i can do that i'll make that joke <laughs> i'm probably gonna do it by accident anyway the crotons the doctor is still trying to fix the tardis after the events of the mind robber and they need a new power supply so he's going to borrow one from this planet called croton and croton has the unfortunate same fate as krypton and the remaining crotons swear an undying feud to destroy the doctor and everything he loves, just like he did to them. I mean, the Crotons do need power. <laughs> <laughs> You've only got so many more straws to grasp, my friend. <laughs> the Seeds of Death. Yeah, this is this is the episode where I said that, um, that we were going to be seeing an enemy that we've only heard up until now. Oh, yeah. I remember this description. The Doctor decides, I'm bored. I'm going to terraform Mars. So he buys some seeds from the Celestial Toymaker. And let me tell you, the Ice Warriors are really pissed about their planet being terraformed. So they join up with the chicks from Galaxy 4 to stop the Doctor from making things look nice. And the Doctor has to build an underground city. But when he gets there, there's a strange crab-like species that runs on gas and insists they don't exist. <laughs> you know, it is about the Ice Warriors trying to terraform Earth. <laughs> so... <laughs> There are some weird similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah a couple. <laughs> oh, God. And the award for I'd rather be watching this goes to the Space Pirates. Have you seen Treasure Planet? This isn't the good version of that. Something else breaks on the TARDIS and the Doctor is like, oh, man, we got to get some loot. We got to get some sweet booty to buy this new part for the TARDIS. And he's like, I know we'll invade another space time ship. And they do the swashbuckling thing and they meet black hole beard where his head isn't there. It's just a black hole. <laughs> Again, I mean, anything would be better than the nothing that was space pirates. But I want to watch that. one. <laughs> I need to meet black hole beard. I need black hole beard in my life. And finally, the war games. After escaping Milo Glancy and the dreaded pirates, the Doctor and his friends find themselves flung into the far future, in a time where there is only war, in the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. JK, the Doctor ends up in 1981 Britain and meets Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston and says, hey, you should make a game about space. Because <laughs> Caleb has one thought and it is Warhammer. <laughs> yes, a singular thought. Uh, all in all, I'd say that your prediction skills were a lot less accurate than the first Doctor, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was really reaching in some spots. 
Grand, I feel like I struggle because like the episode titles give me nothing now. Like not even, not even just they tell me nothing about the plot, but I can't even make a good riff on them because it's just the blank of blank. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, let's face it. Your predictions are the reason why everyone comes, but here's the close second reason why everyone tunes into this one. Our bottom and top five, just like last time, we're going to alternate between the bottom and uh, top, and then we want to end on a high note, so we're going to start with the bottom. My fifth worst is The Highlanders. It's the last real historical and everything that implies. Um, <laughs> it was very dull. There were a couple of parts I do remember liking, like uh, like Ben and his stupid-ass Houdini trick, and Polly making my pants feel funny, and... Uh, the doctor being a master of disguise and doing his stooges routine. So I can't say that it's entirely unmemorable, like some of the other entries on the list, but like it is dull enough that I was, that I was like, I don't, I will never interact with this one ever again. That's so funny. Cause like the high, the Highlanders, I would say is in my dishonorable mentions. Mm. Uh, Cause it came awfully close, but then I remember, remember that time holly had big bdsm energy that saved it from going into the bottom five that is so fair <laughs> <laughs> my fifth least favorite is the dominators okay uh and the reason i kind of indicated that was i felt like something has to be horribly wrong when i'm actually excited the bad guys winning for a little bit <laughs> Yeah. It's like when the Dominators show... I mean, this is the episode where I'm famously going to get clipped at some point when I say, I think the alien race there deserved to be in slavery. Very true. You know, Brittany and I were discussing this the other day, and it's like, you know, Caleb seems in favor of genocide a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And then everyone listening to this who understands was like, wow, he plays 40K, so are you that surprised? I'm not in favor of real genocide, just of fictional races I don't like. I have a buddy who, um, in every RPG that he plays, he is always racist against elves, regardless. <laughs> because he thinks it's really funny when other people get upset with him that he's racist against a race that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, the Dominators. Uh, it's bad. It's clunky. All the characters you're supposed to like are horrible, and I am glad when they die. <laughs> and our uh, top five. My number five pick is, and I know this is going to be nowhere near your top five, but my number five is The Mind Robber. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. I liked how this episode was just balls to the walls weird. It took a lot of risks and did a lot of things that they would never be able to do in a regular episode. And I like the idea of a land of fiction, even if they maybe didn't explore it to its best potential. And God damn it, I love me some whimsy. Even if it does have the weird ass fan fiction death fiction battle duel. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was going to bring it up. I was like, Mac, you remember when the end and the Dr. Wong by writing cringe fan fiction? Look. There's a reason it's not at, like, the top of my list, okay? I liked it. I would enjoy watching it again. Oddly enough, the first episode of The Mind Robber is great, and it's actually 
almost entirely the reason it's not in my bottom five. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I knew this one was nowhere near your top five. <laughs> and I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> Look, a lot of our bottom and top fives are probably going to be very similar for this doctor. So we need a couple of curveballs here, Caleb. <laughs> uh, well, here's a curveball for you. Um, my fifth favorite, because uh, it surprised me, is Tomb of the Cybermen. Oh, okay. It's not really so much the Cybermen I enjoy, but I actually felt like this character, this uh, story had really great characters. Mm -hmm. Everyone had distinct motivations, and there's a bit of mystery to it, and no one really blurred together. And when people died, it kind of mattered. Yeah. Well, after the first, like, four people died, then the characters mattered. Yeah, once you get rid of the actual cannon fodder. I mean, honestly, Tube and the Cyberman is my number six, and it was very close so i don't blame you i don't blame you for having any top five and uh the i forget his name what was the black guy's name in it toberman toberman his moment of like going to shut the doors and being electrified to block the cybermen in i thought that was fantastic yeah that no, was cool he had a lot of good moments we just didn't get to use that sweet robot arm more <laughs> yeah right <sighs> that never got brought up it never got addressed like hey he's a robot arm now. Uh, fucking check off his robot arm <laughs> speaking of underutilized cool things my fourth worst is the abominable snowman only fourth i barely fucking remember anything that happens in this episode it was so very boring most if not all of the characters felt very interchangeable uh the only reason it's not lower on my list is because the great intelligence was a good vil villain but again his foot soldiers were so fucking dumb i hate the yetis they are terrible my fourth least favorite is the Space Pirates. Yes, there are three whole episodes. I don't. I like less than the Space Pirates. I am genuinely surprised that it is this high up on your list. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly just because, like, I would say that there is just so much nothing to the Space Pirates, whereas the other three episodes on here, there are things I actively hate about the episodes. That's fair. I get that. I, I understand how it's just like the void is better than torture. But my uh, my fourth favorite, and uh, this was this was interesting because it was near the top, like the very tippy top for a long time. It was it was wrestling for that top spot, and then all of a sudden it got knocked all the way down to number four. Uh, but my number four spot is the power of the Daleks. That's interesting because my number four is also power of the Daleks. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's the one time we really get to see the Daleks try to do a plan that's more than just charging guns blazing. And then at the very end, when they do get to the part of their plan where it's just charging guns blazing, what a fucking blazing gun that is. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, I love Ben and Polly in this episode, particularly Ben. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> shocker. I know, shocker. And honestly, like the first episode where uh, they're trying to figure out the doctor and his transformation and everything mm -hmm. i thought that was so all great i really like the characters and the arc i like the doctor who goes crazy <laughs> yeah uh there's just so much good about this episode yeah absolutely look at the so much bad number three worst the moon base moon base as i've said before was just the 10th planet again i know it might sound pretty repetitious hearing me say that over and over again but imagine watching it I remember Jamie thinking the Cybermen was the Phantom Piper, and I remember Polly coming up with the solution to defeat the Cybermen and getting no fucking credit for it. Other than that, 
I genuinely cannot remember what happened in this episode without second guessing whether it was in the tenth planet or the wheel in space. Ooh, <laughs> that is big oof. Um, yeah, I am not a fan of Moonbase either, mostly because thinking about it, besides the little <sighs> blow them away at the end, I don't think I could genuinely tell you a single moment of that episode. Mm. So is is the Moonbase also your number three? No, it's not actually. Oh, okay. It's there, There's a lot of episodes towards the bottom of my list where I'm like, yeah, I don't really remember anything that happened in that. And then the Space Pirates is just the most I do that in. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and then we get into the things I actively hate because the next episode on my list is the Seeds of Death. Uh, okay, yeah. There's two big reasons why I dislike this episode more than Space Pirates. One, I could put Space Pirates on in the background and do something else. I did actually have to sit down and watch this episode. Yeah. <laughs> the one time that it being an audio adventure is the is a point in its favor. <laughs> Secondly, I just so actively did not care about anything happening, particularly mm. on like the politics on Earth. There's so much time talking about TMAT or waxing poetic about the uh, the you the benefits of rocketry mm-hmm. uh and my god i just didn't fucking care every single episode of this story i was like this episode has been going on forever are we almost done i would tap the screen to see how long i had left i'd only been watching for seven minutes <laughs> it happened yeah. every single time yeah same strangely enough just like with tomb of the cybermen uh seeds of death was a very close sixth place for me so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> then we get to our third favorites. And for me, it is, again, I feel like this is one of those that's just going to be <laughs> nowhere near your top five. But I fucking love the Makra Terror. <laughs> I liked how they were basically dealing with a 1984-esque society with their thought police Ben being the one who recommends they stay, even though he's usually the one encouraging them to get out, and then being controlled by the enemy uh, was honestly kind of chilling. And that is another point. I think this episode is the one story I can say was actually like, if I was watching it, I feel like it would have really good horror vibes. The only reason that it's not higher than it currently is, uh, is because the Makra are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, because actually, you'd be surprised, the Mako Terror is seventh on my list. Oh, okay. And part of the reason I like it is because they're so dumb. (laughs) There are good moments in this, but this one, like the Underwater Menace, which was also surprisingly high on my list, uh, it has, like, so bad it's good vibes. I would agree, yeah. And there's just, like, this, like, schlocky horror element to it that I love. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I I totally get it being in your top five. I figured it would be, so. Yeah. Um, my number three is, this one was a little surprising, but the more I thought about it, the more I came to appreciate it, was the faceless ones. I, yeah, I, I was figuring the faceless ones probably going to be in your top five. Um, for one, I had Ben and Polly, who were great. But also, like, I liked the villain. I liked the side characters, mostly Sam. And, I, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. It was also the one where, like, Jamie really started coming to his own because, mm-hmm. uh... Yeah. There's a lot of, like, little great moments in it, like when the Doctor and Jamie are hiding from the... <laughs> police with the stupid straps on their chins uh and like they're hiding behind newspapers and jamie's papers upside down yeah uh fantastic yeah it's just a good episode yeah it is a very good episode it was 
Oh, wow. I actually have it a lot lower than I thought I did. I have it as my 10th favorite. But it is still very good. So, like, I get it. Then we get to our second least favorite. The Wheel in Space. That's my second least favorite. <laughs> hey, look at that. We have so much in common. We should do a podcast together. Boy, how do you... Uh, something happened in this episode, <laughs> I think. So, th- this, is actually, this is actually my note, which I thought was pretty funny. I know it might be controversial to have the moon base in my bottom five list twice, but I think I'm justified because... What's that? You say this episode is actually called The Wheel in Space? Oh, I'm sorry. That's my mistake. <laughs> if if it was just the moon base repeating 10th planet, I would almost be able to forgive that. Because whatever. But then they fucking did it again. And it's just... <laughs> this is... I know it's it's second on my list, but it's the only one on my list that actively made me angry. Because it just felt so fucking lazy and I hated it. <laughs> uh yeah i was equally i don't i want to say i was angry i think i would describe myself as tired in this episode that's fair i think of all of them this is the one i just had to like make myself do Mm -hmm. yeah definitely because after the first episode i was like this isn't a good start like this is really tough actually and then we got to the second episode i was like oh my god this is gonna be a nightmare (laughs) and it was yeah and then it gets worse. Uh, we get introduced to a companion we we actively did not like pretty much the whole time she was there. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, bad episode. Anyways, that was also my number two, so I guess we can go to our second favorite. Yeah. Uh, palette cleanser, palette cleanser, palette cleanser. My number two is The War Games. What a banger to go out on. <laughs> it's yeah. It's got violence. It's got good villains. It's got intrigue to make you keep watching. The Time Lords are intimidating as fuck. The entire last two episodes are an amazing pin to put at the end of the second Doctor. I'd put it on par with my next entry if there wasn't the issue of length and the repetition of getting captured and then escaping. And also its length again. If we were to cut it down to like a six or five parter... I would probably solve a lot of my issues with it and could have been a strong contender for my number one. Yeah, fair enough. You're going to be surprised because the War Games does not make it into my top five. That doesn't surprise me, if I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I seem to like the War Games a lot more than you did. I really like the last three episodes. Yeah. Uh, But boy, howdy. It is the first six episodes especially are kind of a lot. It's... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's like everything that the show does really well and is very terrible about in one episode. And that episode's ten episodes long. Mm. Yeah, I really did not like the front half of the War Games. Really at all. I mean, like, it was fine. There were good moments, but it was just very cyclical. The plot doesn't even really start until, like, episode five. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. So, but if it were even a six-part episode, it probably would have been in my top five. So I genuinely think that just cutting it down to six parts would probably would probably solve almost all of the problems with it. It probably would have been my number two, because I don't think there's anything that could have beat my number one. Yeah. But my number two this time, I know you're going to disagree with, is Fury from the Deep. <laughs> I freaking love this episode. You know, it's, uh, it is appropriate that both of our second favorites are ones that we disagree with. <laughs> Because <laughs> I did not care for Fury from the Deep, same I am. 
I I really like Fear from the Deep. I love like the really crazy schlocky horror element of it. It's the first episode I remember where they actually kind of like plant the seeds of like a companion leaving early in the arc. Yeah. Um, because like Victoria is like, are we ever like not gonna almost be killed doing this? I really like the way she kind of builds up to just not wanting to go anymore. I think her and Jamie's interactions at the end of the episode make up for, like, the very dumb climax. And, uh, dude, remember the moment when that chick was brainwashed by the seaweed and walked to the beach to talk to the leader again? That was a very cool moment. And he was all like, it begins, and they just walked into the ocean? That was was a very, very cool moment. I won't won't lie about that. God damn. I love Fury from the Deep. I think the main reason why Fury from the Deep didn't really uh, click with me was because it was roughly around that point that I was just so fucking tired of the base under siege. And the monster didn't really endear itself to me. It was just... I couldn't get over just... It was just seaweed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was was not the most intimidating monster but i there was i feel like there was a lot there that i really liked that i hope they lean into in other episodes eventually mm. but yeah but i think that leads us to our least our favorite. least favorite shocker my least favorite that's the thing about these is that usually you can tell what the what the number one spot is going to be because my number one spot is space pirates i have little like tiny little paragraph describing every other entry on my list to give like a brief description of why it's where it's on my list. Uh, the space pirates, I just have, (laughs) (laughs) and that's it. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Space pirates really was a whole lot of nothing. And I think, I have calloused myself to a lot of it because I feel like there's a whole lot of nothing a lot of times. And, like, for this one, just made you actively angry. Yeah. Speaking of being actively angry, I really hate viscerally, and the more I think about it, the more I hate it, the Abominable Snowman. Okay. I was genuinely curious. Once once uh, <laughs> Space Pirates was so low on your list, I'm like, I actually have no idea what his least favorite's going to be. <laughs> um, Yeah. This episode makes me really angry at several points, largely because like it is very confusing and hard to follow, which is probably which is a problem in the audio formats especially, but it's really hard in this one to visualize what the fuck is going on. Um I don't remember but the guy who also comes back in The Web of Fear, the journalist, Professor Travers. Travers. I actively wanted him to die the whole time. <laughs> and then he didn't, and that made me angry. <laughs> And God, the Yetis are stupid. And why is there foam? And why are there why is there a pyramid of orbs? I I, I actively hate this episode. <laughs> Not quite in the same way that I hate the Romans. Yeah. But I don't like this episode. <laughs> I'm curious if we'll ever have an episode that you hate as much as we hate the Romans. Uh- <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I kind of hope we do because I just want to see what'll happen. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but of everything, th- this episode probably made me the most mad. Like, it had the most elements that, like, just made me not enjoy watching it. Mm. And again, Space Pirates has the negative of being the most forgettable. 
but that almost works in its favor with everything else on this list, but especially in this episode. Yeah. Um, because every time I think about this episode, I'm like, God, the episode was so dumb. <laughs> Such a waste And I'm of watching it. I'm a dumb viewer. And now, our favorite episode, three, two, one, the enemy, enemy of, of the, the world. world. Wow. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> Who would have seen that one coming? We definitely haven't been sucking this episode's dick since we watched it. <laughs> but se- but seriously, I honestly think the only critique I have of this episode is that hard cut in the middle of like a getaway scene. I think that's the only thing I don't like about this episode. I love the sleazy side villain. I mean, we're talking about Salamander here. We're talking about the doctor impersonating Salamander. We're talking about the fucking twist halfway through the episode where he has slaves underground Fallout style. We're talking about the cook. We're talking about uh, his taste tester for the poison. We're talking about Jamie just being a baller the whole time. Yeah, of all the episodes we've watched, this is the one that I recommend to people the most who are listening. This, probably this and Dalek Invasion of Earth, there's... Yeah, other than that cut, I have like next to no complaints about this episode. It's just it's just good television. As you just kind of demonstrated a little bit, I can't really go into detail about why I love it so much because it would feel like it's just me recapping the entire story. And we have an entire podcast episode doing that. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think you will agree with me here, Caleb, when I say that it's not just my favorite second Doctor episode. It's my favorite Doctor Who episode mm-hmm. so far. Cool. 100% agree. 100% agree. It is great. If I were if I were going to recommend someone watch Classic Who, I'd start here. And be like, okay, if you like that, watch this one. Then watch that one. And then watch <laughs> Enemy of the World again. I know I've talked about this being the double-edged sword of Doctor Who, but it really is. Um, where it's just like, you can like recommend specific stories. And it's pretty much fine because they're all pretty much standalone. And so you, we can hand someone our top five and be like, just watch these ones. And be able to have a good time. That being said, that means you have no idea whether the next episode is going to be good or not. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the real problem. It is, a, it is a lottery that you will lose a lot. So, Caleb, would you like to continue to do the podcast? Yeah, I think I'll stick it out for a while longer. Okay. Insert this where you think. But as we were talking, I kind of just randomly remembered another great moment mm-hmm. in an episode that I was fine in underwater menace when there's like the two rough and tumble guys they get to help them bully the mermaids (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that what a great moment (laughs) (laughs) that was very good i think the underwater menace is better than people give it credit for yeah it's definitely in it's so bad it's good territory yeah well that's it for this episode guys thanks for listening if you want to support the podcast the best thing you can do is rate it five stars and tell your friends about it You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. You can also follow me on Twitter at CelebrityWriter. And you can check out Mac's YouTube channel, Mac the Meh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we meet our brand new doctor played by John Pertwee in Spearhead from Space. Ooh. What's happened? What's happened?
The time has come for you to change your appearance, Doctor, and begin your exile. Is this some sort of joke? No, I, I refuse to be treated it. What are you doing? Oh, stop! You're making me giddy. Uh, no, you can't do this to me. Uh, Now my neighbors are starting to be loud and obnoxious. I think we timed this perfectly.